Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, welcome in to a Wednesday edition of the JP Peterson Show. I am your host today, Nick Geddes. JP, absent today. Another He's in another work-related visit in Las Vegas, if you can believe it. So that's two Las Vegas visits in a span of two weeks for JP. He's supposed to join us today, but I've been seeing a lot of delayed flights around the country. I'm not a big flyer, as we all know, but I'm seeing a lot of that. And he did not get in last night until the middle of the night. So, unfortunately, unable to join us today. But he will be back tomorrow good, good. for the full two hours. Um, and we'll have Rich Hollander back on. We had to push him to tomorrow so he could be on with JP, of course, and some other big things. But for today, intern Nick is back in the saddle here for two hours. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing, you know, I'm doing better this morning because I had to wash away what we saw last night on the baseball field. I had yeah. to just sleep it off. I had to turn the TV off immediately. You and me both. And you just and both. go to bed after another Rays debacle. And I feel like we're saying that a lot lately. Yeah. With this team. Uh, they lose 5-3 last night to Texas. They've officially dropped the series here to them. Uh, they waste a great outing from, from Todd Bradley. Only went five innings, but I think you would agree his stuff was absolutely electric. He threw his fastball almost 50% of the time, which I think was a high for him this season. He was blown nine strikeouts. Uh, only a couple mistakes there late in the game. The, the Nate Lowe. Uh, single to score run to make it two nothing, but mm-hmm. other than that, Todd Bradley was great last night. Yeah, hundred percent. And especially considering some of his like you know recent performances, where he kind of like struggled a lot. This is one that I think he definitely needed for his confidence. And honestly, it makes me more feel a little more comfortable putting him in in the future because I was not uh, sure how this one was going to go, but I was really happy with that. And at least it gives me a little bit of a bright spot, even though. Like you, like you, I was really upset about that result last night. Yeah, I mean, and, and Tanch is going to go through those ebbs and flows as a rookie, and that's yeah, kind of what we've rookie. been saying. And, you know, when you get to playoff time, like, I don't know if Todd Bradley's going to be a part of, like, a playoff rotation, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't know. He might be one of those guys you plug into the bullpen. We'll see, right? If he can right. get consistent down the stretch, certainly he'll earn his way in there. Last night was a good kind of uh, a step towards that. But I don't want to bury the lead by any means. Oh, yeah. The Rays' offense. Last night had one hit for, through the, what, the first six innings? Yeah. And then they decide to come alive in the seventh inning. Frankie Mejia, who, by the way, Frankie Mejia, in a lineup that's been ice cold for the most part over the last month, has started to get going a little bit for the Rays, and that's good to see, obviously, at the bottom of the order. He gets them back to 2-1. to one. And then we come out to the next inning, and this was interesting to me. Javi Guerra comes out. Now, Javi Guerra is a guy who has spent most of his time with the Rays in AAA, right? I don't have his numbers in front of me in AAA, but I have seen him when he's pitched for the Rays in the big leagues. And I haven't really been all that impressed ever. So just as a viewer last night, I see Javi Guerra coming out of the bullpen. And I know there's reasons why Kevin Cash had to, do that, had to make that decision. Right. But I see him come out of the bullpen, and I immediately go, yep, I don't think this is going to end well. And he gives up a leadoff walk. He gives up a rocket up the middle, which hit him, and he stayed in the game. Yeah. And then the very next pitch, Corey Seager 
who is having an MVP. If it wasn't for Shohei Otani, we'd be talking about Corey Seager in the AL MVP race. Seriously. Hits an absolute rocket to center field, and just like that, it's 5-1, to one, and game over. It's game over right there. Now, the Rays yeah. did come back and get two solo shots in the eighth inning, but that's kind of been the problem with the Rays. When they get runs, it just seems like it's one at a time. They don't have it. They just, for whatever reason, they're not being able to get the big hit with runners in scoring position. When they hit home runs, they're hitting solo home runs, yeah. and that's killing them right now. Yeah, and not only that, it's just the fact that it's just so much later in the game. Like, I, I kid you not, when I saw that they hit, because it was back-to-back, right? Back-to-back homers. When I saw that they had hit them, I actually kind of, like, got mad because I'm just like, oh, now you want to wake up on offense. Like, where was this in the beginning of the game? Like, well, why, why can't you do this consistently? Well, you know, I, I, it's always t- there's always multiple facts. I mean, Nathan Yavaldi is an all-star, okay? I, yeah, I get that. He, he's pitched historically against the Rays. He has dominated the Rays. That's just been a historic nature of him and his career against the Rays. So I take that into consideration. But this is not just the thing because they faced Nathan Yavaldi, right? Right. It happened the night before against Dane Dunning. Right. It happened for a majority of the series against Kansas City, which even though they got two out of three, they struck out a lot. Yeah. Think of Alec Marsh making his third career start, striking out 12 Rays or whatever it was. Yeah. This This lineup right now, really for the last month, month and a half, has been just very pedestrian, very middle of the road. And I'm asking myself right now, and I've, I'm try- I've always tried to be the guy that doesn't get super concerned about this team right now because yeah. there's still a game in front of first place. The Dodgers are continuing to do good things against the Orioles, and the Rays somehow maintain a one-game lead. But it's still a lead in the, in the AL East. They're yeah. still number one in the AL, I believe, for now. So it's like, how much concern can I really give? But let me give you the numbers. Since a 29-7 and start for your Tampa Bay Rays, which I will go on record to say is the most fun I've ever had watching this team play in the regular season. Same for me. 29-7. and They're 31-31. and Let me preach that. They are 31-31 and since a 29-7 and start where they were putting up historic numbers at the plate. They had a full bill of health. All those things. 31-31. and They're just bang average right now, and it's been that way for two months. And now that the sample size, everybody's like saying you don't want to get caught up in a sample size where they're in right now, where they came off losing seven straight, they've lost 10 of 13. Everybody says that's too small of a sample size. I got 62 games to go off of a sample size right there, 31 and 31, if I math's correct right there, 31 and 31, 62 games. So which one do you want to judge? Do you want to judge the team that went off to a historic pace? unlike the likes that we've seen in Major League Baseball in, in so long, 29-7? and seven? Or do you want to judge them based off 31-31? and 31? Are they somewhere in the middle? Where are they? Those are the big questions here. But I think it's fair to say there has to be some level of concern for this team, specifically this lineup right now. At this point, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned like at the start how it was the most fun you ever had watching baseball. Because the, the thing I get now when I watch this team is it's like... Not only is it not fun, it's downright annoying, and I don't want to be overdramatic because at the end of the day, you know, it's sports. It doesn't matter that much, but it's painful to watch. Like, it's actually, like, a drag to get through some of these games because you were even talking about it. The game where we, the two games where we beat the Royals, we struck out a lot, and if my memory is correct, I know this is true for at least one of them, those wins only came, like, late in the game after we had, like, a little bit of a surge. So yeah, when they got into the bullpens. Yeah, so it's, like, the same thing every time. It's, like, a drag on. They have to rely on pitching. It's, like, little hitting, and then you just have to hope that they get, like, you know, like, one inning where they just get hot to give themselves a good enough lead because you still can't trust the bullpen g- coming in. 
Yeah, and it, it really is a shame because, you know, getting a great outing like that, they've gotten great pitching outings here from their guys Yeah, from the last few. I mean, uh, even even uh, before – man, my memory's already, like, killing me already. Who, pitch, who pitched yesterday, the day prior against, against Texas? The starter? 3-2 game. Uh, Shane. Yeah, Shane. There, you, That's right. Yeah, Shane goes and has one of his best outings of the season, said he felt great, all those great things, and, yeah. and he made one mistake in that game. Not even really a mistake, I'd call it, because it was such a great pitch. And you just had a really good hitter in Duran who took it the other way, right? That's the most disheartening part is they're wasting great pitching performances. And right now, the Rays have, what, four true starters, so they have to do the opener like today. They have to go out with the Zach Littell opener, which I think, frankly, I've, I think I've seen enough out of him. So far, in a Rays uniform, he won't be on the. He he definitely will not be on the the playoff roster. But you know they have to use what they have right now, and he's going to be the opener today. But that's the thing; just nothing is in sync right now. Great pitching performance, and then they go out and score two runs. That, that's the that's the bottom line. You have got to score more than two or three runs. I heard the stat yesterday. Rich Hollenberg said it on the TV, and I had to rewind it to get it again. When the Rays have scored three or less runs this season. They are eight and thirty-two. Wow! They are eight and thirty-two when they scored three or less runs this season. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about this team and how much they have relied on offense and getting to that four-run mark and over. Because if they get to the four-run mark and over, they only got six losses. Yeah. And what is that? You're 52. Is that if I'm if my math is correct here? They're 52 and six if they get to four runs or more. Yeah. Eight and 32. Yeah. Three runs or less. It's it's a that's a crazy kind of split right there. So you just have to find yourself which which team are they? Yeah. No, it makes sense. Like too though. Like every time like in the first game against Texas, they had like you know a guy on second and third, so you know and one out. And then they proceeded not to score. And I saw me and I saw a lot of people online were saying this being like us not we were, everyone was like when we don't when we didn't score that insurance run, that's how we knew we were losing. And then it happened. So I don't know. And I don't know. Like it, just yesterday, the thing that told me, oh, we we're in really bad shape. And I'm glad you brought up uh, Rich is the fact that like when the your own announcers start like. Like, I don't want to say criticizing, but questioning you, that's when it gets bad. Because I literally, I was watching the broadcast, and they just start going, granted, they were kind of more nice about it than we've been, but the, they're just like, okay, so we have to emphasize, the pitching is doing its job. The hitting is not. And then they just start going to this, like, question of, like, what is going on? Like, why can't they hit anymore? So, like, they're starting to say what we've been saying. So I'm like, man, has it really gone that bad that even the announcers are well, starting it, to go it, into it's, it? It's hard, and it's hard to really find... A, a sort of reasoning to it. I mean, like I said, they, they were all firing in all cylinders at the beginning of the year, and it's so rare that you get that. But you got a lot of guys. I mean, I think we focused on Brandon Lau a lot, obviously. But here's the thing. Brandon Lau missed most of June. He missed most of June. And this yeah. is kind of when this raise kind of slide in the offense began. And so Brandon Lau wasn't there. So while Brandon Lau needs to pick it up, and by the way, it's a home run last night. I think he's actually had a lot better plate appearances since he's come back from the injury, and I feel like we're maybe getting closer to a Brandon Lau hot streak that we've grown accustomed to. Very hot and cold hitter, right? Yeah. So I, I set Brandon Lau aside, and I look at what's gone wrong in the month of June and July for the Rays, and who's not hitting. I mean, obviously Taylor Walls 
has re- has reverted back to what he he's always been as a hitter. I mean, and a guy like that, Taylor Walls, who's had to play a lot more lately, does his defense outweigh the lack of production at the plate? And I think right now the answer is no, because he's almost been an automatic out. Taylor Walls has been. So you take that into account. Uh, Josh Lowe has not been as hot at right now as he was at the beginning of the year. Now, again, he's showing signs. He hit the home run in the first game against Texas. He had a couple base hits last night. He seems like he's coming out of his funk. But let me focus in on the guy who really needs to get it going. Really needs to get it going. And that's Wander Franco. I was just going to say that. It's Wander Franco. And I know we don't want to go in on what we, we want to just, you know, we love Wander. I love Wander Franco, and he's, what, second in war in the American yeah. League, and that's all cool and all that. Like, defensively, he's been great. He's been great. But Wander Franco at the plate, okay, on June 15th, June 15th, okay, a month ago, Wander Franco was hitting 301. Mm-hmm. He's hitting now 272. 272. His average has dropped 30 points in a month. Wander Franco's has. The OPS, it's at 784 now. It's below 800. It's not great. He's got four or, He's got four RBIs in a month. And it seems like he's come up in big spots for this team. And it seems like you can almost pencil him in for a rollover to second base at this yeah. point. And that happened last night in a I, big spot of that game there in the seventh inning. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say that. I've noticed that so much. Like, he's had so many clutch opportunities, it just doesn't come through. And I actually remember, so it was, we just finally scored, we had a guy on second, Yandy Diaz comes up, and he gets walked. And when he got walked, and I saw Wander was coming up, I actually got a bit nervous, because I'm like, I thought back to that, and I'm like, if he, I'm like just thinking, because I'm thinking it could happen, I'm like, if he hits a, into a double play, I'm going to lose my mind. Two pitches, double play. And I'm like, yep, he did it again. It's just... I don't know. Like I'm like like you. I don't want to bash on him that much because like he's again, 22 years old. He's a, he's a young kid. And he's 22 years old, he's, and I think the Rays put a lot of stock into him turning in and having one of those yeah. kind of like I've said. If he's in the prospect category of the the Acunas and the Sotos, which he was coming up, right. I think the Rays put a lot of stock that he was going to have similar season to those guys. And right. I think Wander Franco, he's had a he's had a good season. He has. But I don't think it's been a great season for Wander Franco. I think it's been an all-star caliber season, a good season. Yeah. It hasn't been great. I think there's more in him. I mean, when you when you when you drop a batting average 30 points like that over a month span, there's a problem. There's a problem going on right there. So, I hope Wander needs to figure that out yeah. as lo- as Luke W even put in here. Running and scoring, runners in scoring position, which has been a problem for this team in general. Wander's hitting 233. That's true. With a 634 OPS and 106 plate appearances with runners yeah. in scoring position. That's not what you want from no. your best hitter on the team. That's not, that's not good. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've seen a lot of people like give him extra hate from this, and I think it comes back from the whole benching situation. And I don't want to, like, I mean, again, I don't know what's going on. I'm not in that locker room. But it seems like. That's starting at the very least better than it once was. Like even during you saw it during the All Star game, he yeah, and Randy were I hanging think, out smiling. I so. think those issues are behind us here. Yeah, I think it is. Like, and I'm more forgiving to it because I'm closer to his age, so I get it. He's a young guy; he's gonna make mistakes. I think we need to be more forgiving of that. But he does deserve a little bit of criticism for his lack of, you know, hitting, especially like considering 
Like how like how long did we send him to? Like I know he's not the highest played player, but he's we, on that eleven year deal. But yeah, so like you know, if you're gonna get that, like you know, I, I want to see a little more hitting well, out of you. And that's kind of what I said at the beginning of the year when we we're talking about Wander Franco. It's like he can be this player, and that's and he's a really good player, yeah. and he's gonna shine and be one of the the war darlings and all those things and great right. defense. But I want to see him get to another level. Now again. I'm saying this knowing the fact that he's 22 years old, and, and this can. is his second full season, okay? By no means am I, am I trying to close the door on, on Wander Franco, okay? He's yeah. an all-star caliber player. And he's but, not even in his prime yet. No, no, but right now he's just in a bit of a slump at the moment, which is going to happen throughout an 162-game season. Yeah. I'm just saying when it's happening for over a month, it's a little bit concerning, a little bit, and the fact that the runner and scoring position numbers are so down from a guy who's hitting in your two-hole like that, but that's been a constant theme with this team. They just yeah. cannot get the big hit. End of story. Yeah, that's the one thing. Like, you, like obviously, we're going after Wander for the problem, but the thing is, that's a not being able to score with runners in scoring they position. They were 0, for, 0 for 6 as a team yesterday. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a whole team problem that needs to be fixed. So... I mean, like, is he probably the most noteworthy when it comes to that? Yeah, probably, because I feel like he's always the one coming up, especially, like, later in the game when we really need it. But, you know, it's some, it's a problem the, the entire team needs to fix. And in my mind right now, it's probably the biggest thing that's holding them back. Yeah, and, and Wander's not the only one, like I said. There are a lot of guys in this lineup who are kind of scuffling at the plate. Harold Ramirez has not been as effective as he was at the beginning of the year. Uh, Bethancourt hasn't really been an easy at bat to watch Taylor in Walls. a long time. Taylor Walls, as I mentioned, uh, Jose Siri seems like the kind of guy at the moment where if he's not hitting home run, he's not really adding much to you in your, in your lineup. Yeah, he's turning into the uh, uh, boomer br- or bust hitter. Yeah, it's either, I mean, it's either the, home run or strikeout. He's, I think that's kind of the difference is at the beginning of the year. And again, you're asking for a lot to keep this up for the whole entire season. Yeah. But beginning of the year. They had so much production from six, seven, eight, nine in the order. Like we were almost spoiled from it, and now they've become very kind of. We need Gandhi, we need Wander, we need Randy, and whoever's in that four hole. And Luke Rayleigh, I like him in that spot. He's been killing it. He's yeah. been a bright spot in my mind. Right. It's like they need those four guys to kind of do their thing to kind of outweigh the bottom of the lineup, which has kind of been struggling here. Right. Uh, with, so I think that's the big difference. And then the other guy that I was going to bring up. Who I, I mentioned this maybe a couple weeks ago that he had been sliding a little bit, and I saw his slide kind of. We well, got he had a home run yesterday, so hopefully that's a good sign. But I think Randy has a lot better in him. Yeah, no, he's he's, a, he's another guy. The average has dipped uh, over the past month or so. Uh, again, hard to keep up a blistering pace, but if you just go back and look at it, going back to June, Randy Rosarena on then was hitting. Was hitting 295. I think he's down to two. Yeah, he's been hitting 250. So he's just been kind of, again, just bang average over his last 40 games. Yeah. Well, what's weird with him is I feel like he either like just is quiet the entire game, but then randomly he'll have like that like really big game. Like during Can- there was a Kansas City game. I he was like three for four. Or, yeah. Like, he hit at every plate appearance. So like it's either like, yeah, he'll mainly like be quiet where he doesn't really get hits, and then just one night he'll like you know just go be your best hitter yeah so. it's just bottom line they just everybody in the lineup and that, and that's why i don't want to like cherry pick anybody out i wanted to go through all of them yeah uh because 
other than Yandy Diaz, who continues to be, I think, consistent at the plate, yeah. and I think Rayleigh, and then you see the signs of Lau snapping out of things and Lowe snapping out of things. Mm-hmm. I think outside of that, that lack of consistency with the lineup, getting the big hit, runners in scoring position, that's kind of all that's gone into it over here for the past month or so, and that's yeah. contributed to being 31 and 31. It stinks as well. You, I mean, listen, the division is the division. It's hard to control. Yeah. <laughs> you can't control who's in your division. But the fact that the Yankees are 50 and 46 and are in last place. Yeah. They're in last place right now. I mean, Boston's streaking, and they can't even make any ground up in the division. Uh, and the Orioles obviously are right on the Rays' tail, but the, they ran into uh, the Dodgers this weekend, who have yeah. won the first two games of that series. So they're, the Rays remain in front. And, again, the Rays are going to have to play four games against the Orioles coming up. Yeah, that's going to be the huge series. Yeah, they need it. And like we've been saying, when it comes to the trade deadline and what kind of acquisitions this team is potentially going to make and what's the spots they need to go out and acquire, I think it's almost a good thing that you get to play these really good teams going into the deadline. And you can kind of see how you fare and see where you need to make those adjustments. But I think right now the lineup, to me, has to be priority number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we we talked we talked about Shohei on Monday. Yeah, I think everybody in the league is talking about Shohei, and you know I watched him last night again against the Yankees, and uh, he's legging out triples like he leads the league in triples. Yeah, it's like he leads the league in home runs, he leads the league in strikeouts. He's the best player in the world, and like, now he's he he's leading the league in triples. I mean, you just he's doing everything right. Yeah, and you know I see so much discourse on Twitter about it. We even ran a poll, and it was like fifty fifty. Like, should the Rays go all in for Shohei Otani, or do you say no because it's too many prospects? And yeah. I'm, I find myself completely torn still on it. I do, too. The thing that makes me tor- head to no right now is we just kind of talked about it with how much this team is struggling. The thing is, if we trade for him, I feel like that's going to be the only like big splash we can make because of how much he's going to cost. Well, you, yeah, but... Yeah, but like the thing with me is... Like, think about, let me ask you, I know, but let me ask you this, though. Despite how talented he is, if he's the only guy we get, is that really going to make a difference? Yes. If we continue slumping. Okay, it's going to make a difference, but is it going to like? Change? I'm adding. I'm adding a an ace to my rotation. Okay, that's fair. And I'm adding the best hitter in the league to my lineup. But it's like we need. I know, but I'm just solving every problem right now that I have. Are we okay? Yes, he's talented, but like he can't win with the Angels, and they're not slump, and their hitting is not as bad as ours right now. They got a lot of injuries okay, right okay, now. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but still, it's I'm just like, I keep going on the whole thing. You can't, one player cannot carry a team in baseball. It does not guarantee that you're going to win a World Series. End of story. The Shohei Otani yeah. trade does not guarantee you win the World Series, but does it get you closer there to, to achieving that? Hell yeah, it does. Yeah. And that's why I'm so, like, I'm so, like, it's torn on this because there is a certain prospect package that I would probably be like, ooh, yeah. I, I think I want to pump the brakes because it's for three months because there's no shot in hell the Rays are re-signing, are re-signing yeah. Shohei Otani. Yeah. But I think, at least on this show, we've been saying it, and I like being consistent, and I like to... Because I, I do feel this way as well. It's not just for being consistent, but I do feel this way. I feel like the front office sometimes needs to show more initiative yeah. and go all in. And if we're hearing all these things that we're hearing right now about they feel like this is the best team that they've had, and I would say that's probably true. Probably. Probably then is. you need to go for it, and you yeah. need to exhaust every effort to do it. And at some point, you have to say to yourself, F the prospects. Yeah. At some point, they're going to have to have to say that. And if the player is Shohei Otani, and it's for three months, yeah. I mean, listen, if, you, if it doesn't work out and you don't win a World Series with the guy, 
it didn't it didn't happen. But yeah. listen, the Rays have had these kind of their prospect system, I remember like a few years ago, looked like it had been gutted for a little bit. And what did they do? They built it up real quick. And now it's the number one or number two prospect pool. I don't have a – the Rays know how to develop their prospects. I don't get yeah. as concerned if this guy goes in and this guy goes out and all those things. I mean, even like Luke W. said, the only guy that I just didn't really want to move in a deal would be Junior Caminaro. I think he is going to be – a huge player for this he team is. in the next two years. I don't want to lose Curtis Mead. That's the guy I don't want to lose. And Curtis Mead, last he's been th- killing it recently in AAA. Yeah, and he's been hitting three ninety. I want to say since he uh, in AAA over the past month or so, and since yeah. he came back from his injury, he's been yeah. fantastic down there. Oh yeah, I should know. I saw his first game back. Ex- exactly. And, and I might be saying that because I'm a little biased because I got to meet him on there, and he was like super nice to me. So I and I said if he gets called up, he's going to be my new favorite player. But but besides that, he has been doing well. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I understand why. I think people need to be understanding why the Rays are so cautious about this. Because it's just the here's the problem with being a small market team compared to a big market team. Big market team, you make a one bad trade, doesn't kill you. Small market team, you make one bad trade, it can set you back decades. That's what they're worried about doing. They just they don't want because if this trade goes wrong, this is uh, tr- the Nelson Cruz trade on steroids. It really is, and so I understand why they're cautious. I listen. I understand, yeah. but at some point, and I think we have this discussion all the time. The teams that win championships, every single one of them has, take t- a, for the most part, takes a risk. I understand that. Yeah, and there's going to be some team that takes a risk for Shohei Otani. If the Angels move him, I mean, listen, the Angels right now. This is the question in general, and I, I think I said this yesterday. The Angels. They've been slumping lately, but they've gotten back to 500, yeah. right? In the wild card, they are four and a half games out. They're not as yeah, like that's the thing. They're not as bad as they have been like. In and the if past they didn't, years. if they didn't have the injuries they had, I mean, the Angels would probably somewhere around five or six games over 500, maybe a game out of the wild card, and this would be a this wouldn't even be a discussion. But it's because of the fact that they've been injured. It doesn't look like they have the guns to really win anything this season. Even if they got healthy, it's become a discussion because. I don't think anybody believes that the Angels are going to have a shot to boot, to sign Shohei Otani in the offseason. Nope. But, again, I, I just feel like if you have the opportunity and you feel comfortable with the package, and, I, I mean, I, I'd like to know what the package is, obviously. I think everybody has their point where I think they would exceed what they would want be comfortable giving up yeah. and what they're okay with. But, again, this is such a unique situation. Because it's like, what is he worth? <sighs> I don't know. I, I, all I'll say is that if the Ra- if they if the Angels wanted to move him, I'm just saying the Rays have the best package. I think that any team around the league can give up without I, giving up major I w- league I talent. Would, I would say that. Yeah, 100. Um, percent Again, like I was saying, like what what is he worth? Like it is hard. Like I thought about this for a while. Like I part of me for the longest time thought I don't know if the Angels can get rid of him because I think they're going to ask too much of him. And everyone else is going to reject because this is something that actually the Rangers used to do, used to happen for like a long time. That's why they were so bad. They would ask too much for their players. They wouldn't get a trade, and then they lose them for nothing. But the thing is, I've come to realize that's not going to happen with the Angels because not only is this guy the best player in baseball, but he's like such a unique player, and he brings so much money through his, uh, you know, because like didn't we see something that says like if you sign him, you have this like big uh, like rights deal for japan or something like that yeah it all kind of plays a yeah part. so like he's he's truly some, like one of those someone's gonna to... someone's gonna give up whatever for him and all so i don't know 
I, I listen. I don't. At the end of the story, at the end of the day, like I think it's worth having a discussion because you never say never in certain things. Yeah, that's and, the one thing I've said. Like, don't if I straight up say no. If like, I try. hadn't heard so many people, you know, the Buster Olneys of the world and the Jim Bowdens, if I hadn't heard these people kind of, you know, float the Rays name out there, I probably wouldn't even bring it up, and I would just brush it off. And, and to an extent, like when I put a percentage on if this happens, I think at the most optimistic level. The percentage the Rays get Joe Hiotani seriously, regardless of my opinion on what they should do, it's probably five percent. Yeah, and that's on the optimistic side, folks. It really is. And if I'm honestly just putting out a number there of how likely I think it is the Angels trade him, they actually pull the trigger because that's the tough thing. Even though you can say, okay, they're not going to lose him, they're, or they're going to lose him in the off season, you might as well trade him now. That is a lot of pushback from me. Imagine the pushback from the fan base. Yeah. I mean, especially, let's just say they're right at 500 at the deadline and they're four games out, right? Yeah. If it stays steady where it is right now. Four games is, is, not, is manageable. And let's say you get Mike Trout back at some point throughout the, uh, the second half of the season. I don't know. Yeah. My point is, that's a hard move to make for a fan base that has really been dying for wins. Seriously. I mean, that, that's kind of the big thing I think Artie Moreno has to think about. It just in general, you, being the GM or the whoever that traded Shohei Otani. Yeah, that's tough. That's really, really tough to kind of to kind of go through. Oh yeah, but I mean, if it's a good return, like yeah, yeah it's got to be the right return. Like, I forget the players he was traded for, but like, do you remember like when the Expos uh, traded for uh, Big Sexy back in the day, and they traded away these three prospects, and they ended up like turning into like all star caliber players, while you know uh, he didn't last that long in Montreal. Like he left like immediate like a season yeah. later. Yeah, that's the, so. Like maybe they're that's that's the best case scenario for the Angels if they do trade him. Yeah, I mean, listen, no, I, mean, I think almost every player has you have a price mostly on every player. It's just he's so different, and that's, yeah, it's just so it makes it very difficult. But we'll see what happens with Shohei Otani. Like I said, I'd, I'd put it at an optimistic mo at most five percent that he's Tampa Bay Ray. But I think it's a fun discussion. One can dream. Yeah. I changed my background on my phone to Shohei Otani wearing a Devil Rays shirt, a Devil Rays jersey, because you know you I, I'm pressing my luck. What can I say? I don't know. Who knows, right? So we'll see with that. But real quick, just back to the game. I did want to play uh, and hear from Kevin Cash yesterday. And again, as a manager, and you're watching your team go through these kind of slumps. I'm pretty sure it's probably hard to come up with the words to almost describe it, but here was Kevin Cash last night after the Rays' 5-3 loss in Texas. I'll start with where it maybe got a little bit separated there in the bottom of the sevens with Guerra, the walk, the base hit off of his foot, and then the home run. What maybe wasn't working in that inning for him? Probably the leadoff walk is, you know, it seems to kind of come back and get, get you. And then you got Seeger, who's as good as any hitter in baseball, ready for, I think it was a 99 or 98 mile hour fastball that he turned around pretty quick. Um, so, yeah, that inning right there was a little unfortunate. We've talked about the offense in this stretch. Obviously, at the end there, it seemed like the bats got going with those first six innings, just driving guys in against Evaldi. What was the challenge there with the seven guys left on base? He pitched well. It's a combination of him pitching well and us probably just not not getting it done to our capabilities. Uh, right now, we, we, there's no denying we've been a little bit of an offensive rut. Uh, the guys are going to continue to work, and they're really good hitters. They'll, they'll find a way out of it. I would imagine you're certainly happy with, with Taj Bradley, though, and, and what he did, a bright spot today? Yeah, very. I mean, kind of similar to Mac yesterday. We've gotten two really, really strong starts. Taj, that was really encouraging. Good power uh, to the fastball, good command with the fastball, the cutter, the curveball, all of them. Threw a couple big change-ups there. Really mixed his pitches well. Um, so happy for him. 
I mean, you got the two runs on the solo homers, but probably the you talked before the game that big hit that was eluding you. You had a couple chances there. Yeah, we're just we're it's just not coming easy right now for the guy. I really I don't know what else to say other than than that. I mean, nothing's changed. They're working. Um, so. Just kind of let it play out a little bit, I guess. Right, and you, you don't you play everybody, so it's not like you can like start playing guys you don't have, right? I mean, it's like you're not that, not that you don't have that, that don't normally play. You kind of rotate everybody in and out. Anyway. Yeah, there's. I don't think anybody is deserving to sit any right. more than they're than what we normally do. I mean, it's just we're going to continue. We trust our lineup, and we'll continue to do that. As far as Taj, did you kind of sense that confidence he seemed to have too? It seemed to build as he went. Yeah, I mean, look, anytime you pitch the way he did against that type of lineup, that's a really talented lineup over there. They can do a lot of damage. They scored a lot of runs. And, you know, you get through that first time through, you're feeling pretty good. Simeon whacks a homer. Uh, but I, I was encouraged that after that he didn't miss a beat. I mean, he was still very committed to the strike zone with, with all of his pitches. There's Rays manager Kevin Cash right there after the 5-3 loss to the Rangers last night. They've officially dropped the series. They've lost three in a row. They've lost 10 of 13. Uh, all is not good in Tampa Bay right now. But like I said, one game up in the American League East. And and listen, like I just said before Kevin said, it has to be tough as a manager. Like again, to just go to the ballpark day in and day out and you continue to see this offensive output. It, it really comes to a, it, what else can you say? What else can you say at this point? And like he said, there's nobody that's really more deserving to sit and versus getting somebody else in the lineup. It's all very matchup based, as we know with this team. Uh, but let's see if they can get back on. If they can at least salvage one game out of this series. They, they need this win today. Yeah, I think a sweep would be pretty brutal going into Baltimore. And they don't get the off day, by the way. They come right back home, which is good. But it's a four game set against Baltimore. Uh, like I said, today, 205. Over there in uh, Arlington, Zach Littell, the opener for the Rays, versus John Gray, who's had a pretty good season himself in Texas. So it doesn't get any easier, uh, but we will see what happens there for your Tampa Bay Rays. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the world of the NFL. We had this discussion a little bit yesterday on the show with what's going on with the running backs in the NFL. Running backs all irritated at what's going on. They want to get paid. We got possible coalitions being made between these running backs. And let's see if they have a case. We'll discuss it when we come back here on the J.P. Peterson Show. As always, brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance, Golden Diamond Source, Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI, and American Mortgage Services. Back in three. Stay with us. Are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability, not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life 
changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back that doesn't happen with the jeeves law group personal attention is what they're all about when you call the jeeves law group you will be part of the family they will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies these larger companies will promise bigger settlements but it's the jeeves law group that will get you the best results if you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms check out the jeeves law group go to jeeveslawgroup.com tell them jp sent you get a free consultation It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. It's only just begun. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show here on a Wednesday. If you missed the beginning of the show, JP absent today. He's back in Las Vegas for another 
work-related trip. He's been all over the place. He's going to obviously be in Canton, what is it, next month, I believe. It's, it's sneaking up on us here for the, the Hall of Fame induction, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Obviously, Rondé Barber, who he's very close to, going in. He'll be speaking Ave, so JP and his son are making the trip up to Canton, so we should have some shows there next month while training camp is kind of going on in preseason, obviously, while uh, Rondé's getting inducted, so stay tuned for that. So it's kind of been the JP show on the road this summer, 100%. right? We've been at Bucks training camp. We've been at golf tournaments. We've been all over the place. So mm -hmm. uh, as we continue, we're, we're so close to football. It's the most wonderful time of the year we, coming up. We are so close to football. Almost there. Do you remember the commercial ESPN ran? I think this was ahead of the 2021 season where I just remember like Gardner Minshew doing like this, and it was like, it's all coming back. Like, remember that oh, commercial? Yeah. Yeah. That commercial was amazing. That was absolutely cinema. I think it was actually the 2020 season. It was the 2020 season because I remember I was in college still. So okay, it was yeah. the COVID year. And I was going to say. It's uh, all coming back. That was a great commercial by ESPN. I, I was, yeah, was going to say, though, like, can you imagine Carter Minshew being in a commercial nowadays? Like, uh, no. I, I love the guy, but. The league, no. the league changes very quickly. Where, where is he now even? What is he? The backup to. Is he a Colt? He's a Colt. He's yeah. a Colt. I think he's, he's a Colt. I think he's, he's, he's AR's uh, backup. Probably going to be the starter, actually. Yeah, but you know what? To your point, Nick, the league changes very quick, which gets me into Segway. this. The league changes very quick for running backs. Mm -hmm. Example A, Ezekiel Elliott. Three years ago, was one of the best running backs in football. Got paid. Where is he at right now? Oh, nowhere. He's a free agent. Todd Gurley, that NFL one. Offensive Player of the Year. Where's he at right now? Retired. Retired. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell held out the original holdout running back. Held out for all of 2018. Got the big contract with the Jets in 2019. By 2021, out of the league. And that brings us to what has been going on with these running backs. We saw it on Monday. Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, and... Uh, Saquon Barkley not getting the long-term deals ahead of the 4 p.m. Eastern time deadline for franchise-tagged players. Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley did not even sign them. And Saquon got all the pub on this one, right? I think the story, like Josh Jacobs, ironically, was like a footnote in this whole story. I even felt though like. he was the better running back this past season. Yeah, and Saquon was really good. Yeah. I, I mean, I would argue Saquon's impact to the Giants was... Was more, was more, yeah, he was more impactful, but right. Like, but Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. He was a first team All Pro for so a reason. I understand he led the league in rushing. What is he? Twenty four? Is he Josh Jacobs? He was a younger rookie when he came in. Is he twenty four years old right now? Pretty young. He's twenty five. He just turned twenty five this okay. off season. Yeah. So he's not even in like that twenty seven, twenty eight range where yeah. I'm like, hell no, I'm not paying this running back. He's in that twenty, that twenty five range. So there's still some years there, and he's coming off his his best year, which. Sometimes I'm weary about because he was he was going into this year where he was trying to get that contract, yeah. and he had an amazing. Not to take anything away from him, but just pointing it out. I understand on the surface it looks weird that we can't even pay the best of the best at a certain position in the NFL, yeah. and you have teams that are really concerned to do it. But welcome to the NFL, man. Yep. It. The, I. I'm. I sympathize with the running backs. I get it. They they have yeah. short self lives. They want to make as much money as they can in the league. I got their, it. Their body takes beatings. Yes, all those things. 
But we've seen so many examples, like I just pointed out. You give that second contract to that running back. He, hell, even you could think of the Bucks. They gave a second contract to Doug Martin. How'd that work out? It did not. I'll give you the answer. It did not. They gave him yeah. a five-year, $35 million deal, if I recall. I remember in like 2015, 2016. And Doug Martin was out of the league by like 2019. Was that before or after he got suspended for like four games? I am. It's been so long. Yeah. It's been so long. High school Nick was worried about graduating high school and then breaking down contracts. But anyway, <clears throat> I digress. Yeah. These the running backs though, so they're all they all spoke out there. Kenry spoke out. Austin Eckler has been the most vocal. Now Austin Eckler though, he's been upset all off season. He feels like and I think he even said it, you know, I'm like he feels like he's the most impactful player on the Chargers and there's a lot of guys there on the offense who are getting paid more than him. He wanted a trade, but apparently the they have him at a high value. He thinks it's weird that they won't pay him, but they're also going to not trade him because they're valuing him very high, right? That's his argument here and all that. But, again, and how old is Austin Eckler? He's like 27, I want to say. Yeah, I think. He, he, again, he's Austin, closer to 30. He's 28. Austin Eckler's already 28. There's just no way, no way that I'm signing that guy to an extension of $10 million or more. I'm just not doing it for a 28-year-old running back. History shows us that Austin Eckler has one to two more years left in the NFL at, a, at a playing at a high level at the running back position. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. And I know running backs, they don't want to hear that, obviously, but that's just the facts coming from the outside. And also, I'm going to run down my list here. I ran down a little bit of it yesterday, but I went even further back because I had some more time yesterday. The running backs who were the Super Bowl winning league rusher on their teams. I'm going back to 2009. Oh, boy. Isaiah Pacheco, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette, Damian Williams, Sony Michelle, LeGarrette Blunt, back-to-back years with different teams, C.J. Anderson... Garrett Blunt again. Good for him. Marshawn Lynch. Ray Rice. No. Ahmad Bradshaw. James Starks. And Pierre Thomas. On that list, you would probably say Marshawn Lynch is the best player. Yeah. Ray Rice, ex- not, not excusing everything that went wrong there, mm-hmm. in 2012 was one of the better running backs in the league. Yeah. And then you have Fournette, who got hot at the right time for the Bucks. And you have LeGarrette Blunt, who was a solid back. Outside of that, yeah. and Brad Shaw and Pierre Thomas, I get it. They were good, you know, probably top 15 backs yeah, at no, best throughout like, their career. None of these guys are scrubs or anything. No, my point is, and all they were very cheap. I think the guy who was the most expensive on that list was Marshawn Lynch. And everybody else, if I'm correct, was making below $3 million against that team's salary cap. To be fair, Marshawn should probably be on that list one more time if they just handed him the ball. Right, but he's not. Throwback. But, but, but there's my point, though, right yeah, there. No, I, under, these, I agree. These guys flame out. They have a four- or five-year shelf life, typically, of playing high-level football. And then the teams that are winning Super Bowls don't have elite running backs. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, other than maybe Rice, but 100% Lynch, all of those guys were not, like, the top running backs that year. Yeah, and, and, and those are probably the only two examples of, like, like the Ravens had, obviously, Joe Flacco. Yeah. Uh, the Seahawks had a young Russ who was really good, but they were more of a running football team, always have been under Pete Carroll. Right. So Marshawn Lynch kind of was the star of that show. And Percy Harvin, if you can believe it, actually led the Seahawks in rushing in that Super Bowl. Percy Harvin did. It wasn't even Marshawn Lynch. So take that in consideration as well. But 
again, there's all my points right there. I know the running backs. It sounds like they're doing, they're forming some kind of coalition. I think they, you, you know, you love this one. They've made made some. They've made a group chat. They've made a group chat to air out their grievances with one another. And their first step was to complain on Twitter. Is that not the most 2023 thing you've heard? They're just like us. They're just like us. We made a group chat to air out our grievances with one another, and then our first battle action was to go on Twitter and complain to force the NFL owners to do what? To do what? The NFL owners are interested in making money and, and winning. winning Super Bowls. Well, most of them. Most of them are interested in making money. Some of them are interested in winning Super Bowls as well. And, again, not in their best interest to pay running backs this amount of money. Yeah. Like I said, too, the running back, like if Christian McCaffrey wants to make $16 million, which is, I think, what he makes right now, okay, Fine. I can live with that. Because Christian McCaffrey is capable of having 1,000 receiving yards as well. Yeah, he can... Yeah, he can catch, he can run. He's a little more versatile. Right. Derrick Henry, if he wants to make $15, 16000000 million, which is what he makes, he's, he's okay. A, okay, he's a different breed. Because he runs the show for the Titans. But again, what is the Titans' ceiling with Derrick Henry as their guy? They're, uh, they're a first-round playoff exit waiting to happen every year. Yeah, because actually that list you read made me think of something. How often is it the team that has the best or one of the best running backs not only do they not win the super bowl they don't even make the playoffs because I, I was thinking about this you were just saying josh jacobs was the first team all pro last year led the league in yards raiders they didn't make the playoffs year before him jonathan taylor colts they didn't make the playoffs like how far back does that list go like is that starting to become a trend because at, le- it at least has been in the last two years well if you go based off of of last season Josh Jacobs, Raiders did not make the playoffs. The Titans uh, did not make the playoffs. The Browns, Nick Chubb did not make the playoffs. Saquon, Giants did, obviously. Eagles, Miles Sanders did. Vikings, Dalvin Cook did. Uh, Justin Fields doesn't count. McCaffrey did. (laughs) ETN did. Justin Fields is on the list. Justin Fields had 1,143 yards last year rushing. 160 attempts, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, he can run. Like I'm, I'm never disputing that, but I'm disputing Bears fans. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these running backs. They did, but again, the teams that won, Is it, that win the Super Bowl, just don't. Yeah. They just don't. The elites of the elites around the league, those are not the teams winning Super Bowls with those running yeah. backs. So that's why, well, uh, as I transition real quick to the Bucks, they have a running back, and they're doing it the right way, that they drafted and have developed in yeah. the third round, Rashad White. Yeah. And... I think Rashad White is due for a, a pretty big season this year. We've oh. talked about him at nauseum this offseason. I would think so. The O-line is hopefully going to be a little more healthier than they were last season, so he'll have a little more help up there. So, I mean, either way, he should take a big step. I mean, that's just how it was. He looked very promising last year, so now he's a little more experienced. Yeah, so. and, and I mean, I said it. I think 1,500 to 1,600 all-purpose yards is... I think well in reach because I think I, I did the math last time. It was like 16 running backs that had 1,000 yards this year. So, I mean, 1,000 yards is not really what it used to be, especially yeah. with the extra game. So I think if, if all goes well and he stays healthy, I think he'll get to 1,000 yards pretty easily. Yeah. And then get him involved in the passing game more. And I think Dave Canales is going to do that. He knows that how talented he is back there. And, by the way, for all the people like JP who don't care about jersey numbers and jerseys, when you're wearing the number one, My opinion of you just goes up even more. Like, 29 is such a, like, blah number. He's wearing the number one. It's slimming. He looks great in it, okay? Rashad, if you, Rashad White wearing the number one is going to go crazy. I can see it. Okay. I can see it. All right. 
You don't. You don't agree. Numbers matter sometimes. No, like I love numbers. It's not. I don't like think they matter, but I don't. I don't Although know. somebody, it, it, it's the way you worded it. I don't know. You're just like because he's wearing number one, he's gonna like go off. I don't know if that's how it works. But. I feel like if you're wearing number one and you're wearing that like tape that goes like on your on behind your arm. Okay, here, like he has. The, like, uh, okay, I'll give you that. He has that. He has the look of someone who's gonna go off. He's I, so I'll, swagged I'll, out. It's like how can you not go off? Okay, that's fair. I'll give you that. He's got the look. That's my he's, point. He's, he's it's just a, look, it's though. an aesthetic thing for me. Okay, okay, it's, it's an just, aesthetic okay, thing it, for me. It's just the way you said it. I'm like, are you saying just because he's number one, he's gonna like go off? I don't. It's just an aesthetic thing for me. It's, I like okay, the way it, I like the way it, it looks, looks. Nice. No, no. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. It's that's a good number. As somebody brought up though on Twitter though yesterday, <laughs> I, again I'm not big on curses or anything, but you know who the Baker and obviously wear number six. You want to know the last two guys who were number six for the Bucks oh, the last two years? I, f- I think I can remember who was it. <laughs> it was Le'Veon Bell and Julio Jones. We're done. Is the number okay. six cursed? Le'Veon Bell and Julio Jones were number okay, six. Actually, last you know two what? Years. I don't want to say curse because, like, they like Julio. They didn't even play like a full season. So, oh, I'm like, just pointing it out there, though. Like, like if it was like a guy Julio played, and Le'Veon came in, both a little washed, and people are saying Baker's wa- on the outside. I'm okay, not saying okay. that. The thing with Le'Veon Ooh. though is like we never brought it. Like Julio came in with like hope, but even then he had had that kind of bad season, so it was kind of like it was more of like an optimistic. Maybe he can turn around. Le'Veon just came in because we just had some injuries and we just needed the guy helping us get into the playoffs. He was not part of our long-term plan, so I don't know about that. I'm just food for thought, folks. Is, it's it's food for thought. Has there really not been anyone else who's worn six for the Bucks? That can't be right. I, I don't. I mean, I have to go back into the archives, but I know the last two years. And by the way, I see Tim is commenting here. No player should be allowed to wear number one. It's a terrible look for any player at the position in any sport. Warren, one of my biggest sports pet peeves. Warren Why Moon. do you hate fun? They, Warren Moon, thank you for bringing that up. Is Why it, do you hate fun? Warren Moon looked amazing in the Jaylen number Hertz. one. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts looks icy in the number one. <laughs> Why do you hate fun? Well, some of you hate fun. I like fun. Number one's awesome. Shaq Barrett, especially this whole change where the, the players can wear single digits. When I was looking, when they dropped the creamsicles last week and I'm yeah. scrolling through the Fanatics or whatever, and I'm looking at the jerseys and I saw number seven for Shaq Barrett and I was like, holy crap, I forgot Shaq Barrett changed his number. And then I saw him posing it and everything. Shaq Barrett looks different. Yeah. Shaq Barrett's going to have 20 sacks this year because he's wearing number seven. It's an aesthetics thing for me. Okay, no, it looks cool. Yaya Diaby is wearing number zero. Whew. By the way, did you see the photo shoot from him yesterday for the Bucks? Those are those are good photos. I love, I love those. I'm bringing that photo up because I have to admire it again. I have to admire it. I think it was Yaya Diaby and Kalijah Kansi standing next to one another. Let me see. Da, 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 they got them on the corner there. Yeah. Well, there's Rashad White, the icy white right there, number one. There it is. Yaya Diaby. Look at that man in the number zero. I'm more. Ten and a half sacks as a rookie. I see it just because of the number alone. I mean, I would say it because in that picture he's he looks clearly jacked. This so. guy's this guy's absolutely jacked and. Uh, not to just get bogged down by number discussions, I I did plan to have a real Buccaneers discussion today. <laughs> I but on the real though, like I'm big on I'm big on Rashad White and Yaya Diaby again. I think he's got a real opportunity to carve out a good role for himself because if you paid attention to the show and I think as a Bucks I think as a Bucks fandom in general we're all a bit kind of down on on Joe Tryon Shawinka right yeah. now. Didn't seem like there was much progression last year. That could change. He's going to his third year. It takes players some time. I get all that. Taking a little bit, yeah. But Yaya Diaby just looks like a physical freak. He and does. And it seems like he splashed pretty good at rookie minicamp and mandatory minicamp and all those things. So 
I think he's got a big opportunity to carve out a good role for himself uh, in this defense, even as a rookie. Um, and I think they have a lot more depth at that position this year than they have in recent years. So we shall see. Um, the other thing I was reminded of yesterday, do you get caught up? You probably do, because I know you're, you're a video gamer, right? Eh, I mean, not like a Fortnite like competitive one, but I love playing it. I'm a big sports well, gamer. Well, you know, this is the time where everybody drops the Madden rankings everywhere. Oh, God. And, you know, I know where this is going. <laughs> I've seen it. Do players actually care? At this point, I have to say no. I mean, because Justin, I know fans don't care. I don't care anymore because I well, they put out I these, know they're jokes. They put out these little videos, though, like at least of all the rookies, and they all get mad. Like C.J. Stroud looked like he was actually bothered by his Madden rook, his Madden rating. Uh, and then even Justin Jefferson, he, I mean, Justin Jefferson's a 99 in the game. Yeah. So he was like, okay, that's actually really cool. And then I thought, also found it f- ironic. This is funny to me. The timing of it makes it funny. Zach Martin was named a member of the 99 club today, right? this morning. Okay. And then an hour later, Adam Schefter, da-da-da, da-da-da, Zach Martin feels he's not paid what he's worth, and he's holding out of Cowboys camp and won't report. I'm like, correlation there? He got a 99 in Madden, and now he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to camp. Okay. I'm underpaid. I, I don't know. Okay, but if he thinks that's going to help him with the Cowboys, no. You think Jerry Jones is that? Knows what, even knows what Madden is. That'll you should walk right in there in front of Jerry Jones and say, damn See, it, Madden my says, Madden rating says I'm 99, and I'm like the bro. fifth highest, whatever it is, I should be number one because Madden said so. I don't but I don't know if players care or not. I think some do more than others, but like it's just like I don't care, and I know fans don't care. And part of it is the fact that like people like including me generally are getting annoyed with Madden because the games have not been yeah, like, good forever. Um, and but I'm the, always the sucker that'll buy that'll spend the seventy dollars every year to buy Madden because wanna, football season comes. Listen, football season comes around and you're just like, all right, I gotta have it on. You know, you play it like, a couple times a week, whatever. Right. But this year might be different. I it, hope. In, in, until Madden just does something new. I'm not gonna buy it straight away though. Like until I get like hear from through the grapevine that this is the game, I'm not touching that thing. And. Like, Until I can play franchise mode oh, yeah, with other yeah. people, That's I have true. no interest in your Madden. But yeah, just of note, because I know people, some people care about it. Some people that don't play video games are like, yeah, that's irrelevant and all that No, but crap. like generally though, but, like these <clears throat> ranking discussions, I feel like are the only times we talk about Madden, because, and, it's only, and it's for the bad reason. It's like, just give me a good reason. Just give me a good game. The rankings though are always all over the place. I know. Like, They're always like, dude, very they, all over the place. Last year they ra- rated like... Jamar Chase at 87 and put him below Adam Thielen and Tyler Lockett. There are all pros around this league that are being rated like 84s in this game. Or like, it's yeah. it's mind-numbing. To or me. like they're rating like the rookie wide receivers higher than the rookie wide receivers no. last year, even though most people think this rookie class is worse than last year. It's just like, like I generally want to, I don't know if they've ever announced this, but I want to know, like, how do you decide these rankings? Because I want to be in that meeting, and I want to see how that is decided. <laughs> I, I really do. I mean, Shaq Barrett's not even in the top 20 of the edge rushers Yeah. of note. Because I was looking for all the bucks, and Vita Vea is in the, I think he's the number eight ranked uh, defensive lineman, number two in strength behind Aaron Donald. No shock there. Yeah, Mike Evans just missed out on the top 10 in receivers. They I think he was like 12 or 13. They disrespect that man every year, though. Like, at this point, I'm numb to it. It is what it is. Um,. Yeah, but it's also like I don't know. Like my my conspiracy theory is that the people who do, who make this game don't even watch football. They just like I don't know, look at something. So it's like these oh, guys don't know life right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah imagine that. All right, so we'll get... like, you're not real fans. You don't get it. Yeah. 
All right, that'll wrap up our discussion. I I've got, I went too far. I just meant to mention the Madden ratings, but I went a little too down the rabbit hole here. No, I think on yeah, that one, you unleashed my anger. Yeah, I know. I could see it. Your base was picking up there when I started talking about the Madden ratings. God damn it! <laughs> they used to be so much fun to play. I don't know. Like I used to have all of them. Video man. games are all dead. Yeah, they're all dead. I they, have to play like old EA, Madden games. EA Sports like... Monopoly has killed video games for me, yeah. and that is why I typically stay away. And that's my general rule. The, I think EA is doing this. The only one I'll come back for is when they bring back the uh, college football game. Because yeah, I love well, those. You know, I think we'll all, we're all on that train. But we have Congress getting involved. Shocker. Yeah. All right. We'll take a break from that discussion. We'll come back. We have some more NFL news and notes. We didn't get into DeAndre Hopkins and what happened there. And I have some thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins. And more so about a team that should have signed him who did not sign him. Ooh. Right? So I'll get into that, and we'll get into some other NFL news and notes. We'll get back to the Rays a little bit as well, and some other news and notes, and get you prepped for tomorrow's show as well with JP coming on and some guests. So stay with us. We'll be back in three, as always, brought to you by Jeeves Law Group, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance, Golden Diamond Source, Extravaganza Production Incorporated, EPI, and American Mortgage Services. Be back in three minutes. Stay with us. This is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. 
Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. It's just filling out my, uh, my immaculate grid. For the for the for the uh, the day, I work till midnight every night. So typically, when I get done with work, I get so excited that right before bed, I do my immaculate grid the second it drops. Nice. <laughs> missed it last night. Missed it this morning when I woke up, and I just did it right here during the break. I'm not even done with it yet because I'm putting together um, an all timer for my standard. And you've watched me do it. I haven't looked up a single name. Have not done it. I I play with ethics. Our Rays are on this it. This is finally. the first time that I've seen the Rays on the grid. <clears throat> In fact, I might I might uh, present my screen right here, actually. So if you haven't filled out your grid, look away, I guess. Which yeah. I don't really care. I, I put my grid once on Twitter because I was so proud of it. And people were, like, commenting, like, how dare you? How dare you? You're, like... They thought that I was, like, ruining their day because I posted a grid. Dude, if you look up Immaculate Grid, they literally give you a link to the answers. Like, that's one of the first things that comes up literally. in a news article. So it's like, what are you talking about? The grid my, does it. Here's my grid. There you see it. 
I'm two away from pulling off a master's class. The Rays were finally on it. Jose Canseco used him. I used him for Rays and Blue Jays. Could have used him for Rays and A's, but I went Rays and Blue Jays. He didn't. He didn't win an MVP. I'm pretty sure with the A's. So if you're an older Rays fan, you remember Ben Grieve, who was a former first round pick, I believe, with the A's, and then he came to the Devil Rays, uh, the All Stars. And I tried to pick obscurities. I remember. I remember Jason Bartlett. One of, what, five Rays All-Stars in 2009, the one year that he decided he wanted to be a power hitter. Got him in there. And then they, go, they threw me a curveball, or uh, they threw me a soft at the end. I love when they put All-Star in a 100-RBI season. You know how many guys that you can pick from on that list? How many? It's, you could pick, like, thousands, probably, of 100-RBI seasons and All-Stars, right? So, of course, I just picked, you know, trying to keep the Rays flavor. Give you a little Carlos Pena. Only been used 0.1% of the time. So, yep, there's my grid as it stands. I'll try to figure that out throughout the show. If you see a, if anybody sees a twin and a Blue Jay and a twin and an A that I can use, not name Josh Donaldson because he's trying to get me to use Josh Donaldson. I'm not but, trying to get you to do anything. I'm just it, giving you suggestions. I, I, just, I know Josh Donaldson's going to be too high of a percentage, and I don't want that to ruin the rarity score today. Don't, so I'm don't continue to, if, I'm going to continue to think on that, but I'm in search of a twin and a Blue Jay. And a twin and an A. I just told you that originally. I don't don't <laughs> accuse me of things on the air. What are you doing? Oh, I will. Anyway, I'm gonna take that off the screen here. Let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the the schedule talk that I had here. Uh, being DeAndre Hopkins, that is. Wait, where's my uh? Hold up. Flip it around there. There we go. Anyway, so back to the NFL. Got done with the running back discussion. We didn't get to the Andre Hopkins. We ran out of time on Monday, but I did want to get to it because I think it's part of a larger discussion here. Mm-hmm. So he signs with the Tennessee Titans, and it sounds like what? It's two years. Yeah, two years. A little over twenty million, twelve million guaranteed year one, fifteen millions of twin incentives. I think those are the numbers that we have now. I don't even know if the Titans have officially announced it. I'm not even sure, but I know Hopkins uh, confirmed it. All those kind of things. So. Yeah, I don't think he has actually. Or. The team has. I don't if he has, I missed it, but I don't believe so. I think we're still waiting on all the specifics, but I know I read that twelve million and fifteen million gar- er, in incentives. But so he goes to the Titans, and if you recall, he visited the Titans and he visited the Patriots. And I thought the Patriots was such a great place. I mean, for the Patriots' point of view, the Patriots, for whatever reason, just they just they don't have much offensive talent firepower position at the wide receiver. It, it's just been a long time since they've had a bona fide true number one receiver. I know Julian Edelman was great and all those things, but Brady and him that just worked. But especially since Julian Edelman's been gone, they have struggled to find a number one wide receiver. Now they've thrown money. Juju Smith Schuster three years thirty three million. I'm not a big Juju Smith Schuster fan. I think he's a two in this league at best. Probably if I want to win a Super Bowl, he's a three for me, realistically, for Juju Smith-Schuster. But he's being paid. He didn't want to win, even though he wasn't the number one no, he pass was catcher. Not. That would be Mr. Travis Kelsey. No, he did not. But my point is, is I don't think Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster is a number one. Devontae Parker, those days, I mean, the guy is like last in the league in separation. And that's my problem here with the Patriots. <laughs> they felt that it was in their best interest to give the Devontae Parker, three years, $33 million, right? They can't, they can't attract, like, big free agents anymore, can they? Or, like, at least name, like, big names. Not on the offensive side. Not on the offensive side. Like, That's what I just don't get. It's like, they didn't want to pay Jacoby Myers, who got the same contract of Juju. They're kind of the same. I mean, I, 
It's a wash, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's just the fact that they gave out that contract to Devontae Parker a few weeks ago, three years, $33 million. They had to get him signed. Same contract as Juju. But you're not willing to give DeAndre Hopkins $12 million? Really? That just That's so ass-backwards. And it just... That's what it said. This is it's Hopkins going to the Titans, whatever. It doesn't really do much for me because, I mean, unless Ryan Tannehill is much better this year than he was last year, we'll see. Actually, can we can we can we sit, stay in that moment for just a second and Go just ahead. acknowledge how, how hilarious that is? When he first becomes a free agent, what does he say? I want to play with a good quarterback. Yeah, he had all his criteria for quarterbacks. Yeah. And now you're stuck with a guy, a quarterback who struggled so much they needed they needed to rely on Derrick Henry, and they ran that man into the ground. Well, unless DeAndre Hopkins was going to take $1 million to $2 million or something like that and go yeah. ultimate ring chaser mode, yeah. there's not many teams that have the capital yeah, at this so point like, to like, sign him. Like pay, I get it, but it's like... He had to, he, it, you can only go to where your market demands. Not to mention, like, he's going... Like, I, I've seen so many jokes, and it's hilarious. Like, first of all, it's like he's got Stockholm Syndrome for playing on teams with bad quarterbacks, or... I, I think that's a false narrative. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he really <laughs> he, does that. He has played with Deshaun Watson... And Kyler Murray, at least for when he was, what when five he was years of his yeah, career, that's the thing. Like, he hasn't played for. I think there are receivers who would die to play with yeah. Deshaun Watson, the Houston version of Deshaun Watson, and even Kyler Murray. Who, you know, I have my issues yeah. with Kyler Murray as a leader, off the field, whatever. But on the field, I'm not going to deny that like, dude's talent. Yeah, and <laughs> no, I agree with that. Like, if anything, like he's the, he's the lucky Texans receiver. You, you, you think Andre Johnson would love to have played with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson? Yeah, and Andre Johnson by the way needs to be in the Hall of Fame. It's so hard to get receivers in the Hall of Fame. Get him in the Hall, man. If you're to me, if you're a this is my general feeling on the Hall of Fame. I know this is a sidebar, but I've just you brought up Andre Johnson because I do this. I I sometimes I have too much time on my hands and I go through certain like I think the receiver position is very unrepresented in the Hall of Fame. I don't know why it's so hard to get receivers in the Hall of Fame. Tory Holt Six consecutive seasons of 1,300 yards or more, which is an NFL record, by the way. Not in the Hall of Fame. Andre Johnson, not in the Hall of Fame. Reggie Wayne, I'm not even sure if he's been. I think he's been eligible. He's not in the Hall of Fame. All these guys are like top 15 all time. Darrell Owens is in the Hall of Fame, but like he's probably like an arguably the t- a top three wide receiver of all time. And it took him forever to get into the well, Hall. Well, he goes forever. It was a couple years, but that had more to do about Terrell. Like, yeah, but he's like top three, and he can't even be like. A, that had more to do about how he treated the media, and you know they hold grudges and all those things. It's yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's kind of how I feel about Antonio Brown. Like for my money, Antonio Brown, I think. And I've seen, I watched Calvin Johnson's prime, yeah. Andre Johnson, obviously, Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, keep, you can go on and on and on. There's so many talented receivers. The best receiver that I ever saw in their prime in my time of watching football was Antonio Brown, was Antonio Brown which makes me f- get so more mad at what he's done to himself because I don't think he's going to sniff the Hall of Fame now. Well, yeah, well, that's the one thing. Like, it's not even like a personality thing. Like, this guy has like, done this to himself, so I don't feel bad if he doesn't get into the Hall. Right, like, but some of these other guys have legitimate cases, and yeah, Andre Johnson... Andre, if you're, Andre was a good guy. To my point about what I was going to say, if you give me seven to eight years, a thousand yards or more, and you are consistently talked about as one of the top three to five receivers in football, I think you're worthy of the Hall of Fame. Because yeah. we have a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame who are stat compilers because they played 15, 20 years. I, I Let's need, be real. Right. I need to say, say this real quickly before we move on because you brought up Antonio Brown. We all know about the Albany Empire situation. Yes. And that interview he gave before you know the whole, they got kicked out of the league, he said, we're going to the AFL, the Arena Football League, what's coming back? Well, I just wanted to bring this up. The Arena Football League announced their teams yesterday. Guess who's not going to the league? Hmm. Albany. Of course. 
So uh, he, he just unfortunately he ruins everything he touches right now. Yeah. So uh, just just wanted to bring that. Which up. Which Orlando got a team. I kind of hate that there's no Tam- the Tampa Bay Storm, man. Yeah, I, was I used to go that. to those games all the time as a kid. Those were they fun. They won like the most arena. They won like three in arena bowls. Five. That's the most. Five. Yeah, I remember when I used to go to the Lightning games, and I'd look up, and I'm like, "Oh wow, they got five arena bowls." But, yeah, but like, yeah, like they played. Used to play in the Thunderdome or Tropicana Field now, and they had like thirty thousand fans there. Like they were popular. Those games were fun. Yeah, <laughs> and like they're putting a team in Tallahassee, which I don't get. That's an interesting market. Yeah, like, where are they going to play? Does Tallahassee have a big enough area for that indoors? I mean, <laughs> some of these guys like playing small. I don't know. Like Orlando technically still has the team they play. They played in the National Arena League, which is the league that uh, Brown. Like the Orlando Predators, do they still exist? Yeah, that's where most of those Albany Empires play. Yeah, I know. Uh, they're, the league's not as big, but they actually recently did pretty well. They had a game in front of over ten thousand hmm. people, so they're somewhat popular. But I they, see. I thought that was more entertaining than watching like the XFL. Yeah, no, or the I'll USFL. Agree, but, yeah, I'd rather see that because like it's different enough to where I can get past the fact that right. these players are not the same. But. I, I'm sorry, I brought up the Orlando Predators because at one point they got kicked out of Amway and they came to UCF Stadium to play, which I'm pretty sure is smaller than uh, FSU Stadium, which is where they'll have to the play. The arena, right? Yeah, the arena. They played in UCF Basketball Arena? One year. One How season. the hell did that work? Because they can fit it in there, so they just have to like push some of the seats up. Yeah, that's true. I will say, the Post did say that more teams are coming, so the Storm could come back, but in my mind, they need well, to. Well, if they have one in Orlando, they're probably not going to go Tampa. But that was like their biggest, but that was their biggest rivalry, and they had they used to have a team in Jacksonville, but that team's not going because they have weird controversy. It's hard right. to explain. But they they should put the Storm back. Like I still remember, there's like a sign over by the uh, on the road by the... Raymond James that says, Welcome to Tampa, home of Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, it always said Arena Bowl. Arena Bowl. It's still there, I feel like. So it's like, and there are one of the more recognizable teams. Like, they were just technically in a movie, that Kurt Warner movie. Yeah, right. They were showing him, who did he lose in the Arena Bowl to? The Storm. The Storm. So, I don't know. Yeah, those games were fun, but. Bring them back. All right, I, I didn't expect to bring up the Arena Bowl. I didn't either, but I was just like, I, I felt like I needed it to mention it. Yeah. But anyway, my, my whole point of this large discussion, you met the Hopkins and the Patriots. Oh, yeah, right. That's what we were talking about. I, I just. The whole Bill Belichick thing, and, and, you know, he's won seven Super Bowls as a coach, you know, one as an assistant in New York, and six with the Patriots, obviously. And I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, Brady helped them do this and all that. They needed each other. It was a perfect they, marriage. Yeah, they needed but each other. Just looking at the decisions that Bill Belichick has made, if he wants to be the head coach of the Patriots, for, I, mean, I think he should have a lifetime contract. If he want, whenever Bill Belichick says, I'm done coaching, that's fine. I think he's earned that right. I truly do. <clears throat> but. Being the general manager and drafting, I think that's where Bill Belichick has completely missed the boat. You look at where the league's going, and it's very offense, 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 high-powered. And the Patriots have one of the most boring... They're one of the most boring teams to watch year yeah. in and year out since Tom Brady has retired. That's a fact. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I love the running back, Ramondre Stevenson. He's great. All those things, but... They need to get legit talent, and I thought getting DeAndre Hopkins in that offense, I mean, you want to talk about helping out your third-year quarterback who's really in a make-or-break year in his first year in a new system with Bill O'Brien, and I know you had brought that up about, okay, well, how would that work with Hopkins and Bill O'Brien, the way it ended in uh He compared him, like, didn't he, like, I'm pretty sure he compared him at one point to Aaron Hernandez. Like, I'm almost positive that he did that. Can you look that up? I'll, I'll verify that, because I did that, not that's, that. that's, that's a big quote, and if he did not say that, I do not. I think it was something here. Yeah, it says right here. Hold on. Let me get to the quote here. I don't know. But, 
Well, Last yeah. time I had a meeting like this, it was with Aaron Hernandez. Hopkins said O'Brien told him. So it was, yeah, it was... Uh, okay, so not, like, you didn't straight up call him Aaron Hernandez, but it was like kind of like a weird... It, Hopkins was, was turned off by the fact that Bill O'Brien compared him to Aaron Hernandez in like dealing with him, I guess. Which... Remember, a lot of team, like, obviously he's known for the murders, but also if you talk to his teammates, they, they didn't like him. He was not a popular locker room guy. Right. So I understand that, but it's just the fact that, I mean, it looked like Hopkins really enjoyed his time on that visit. He took some, he's really close to Matt Judon, who obviously wanted him there. Right. All those good vibes, but I guess they couldn't find, you know, it sounds like Tennessee, the, the compensation incentives package they put together was better than what New England was willing to do. Right. I just feel like, I mean, I've seen the clip where, you know, Bill Belichick has talked to Hopkins like before games before, and he's you know you're the, they, be- you're the best, you're the best, and like you're one of the best I've ever seen, and all those things. And I was like, okay, this seems perfect, but I don't know the Patriots to me. And I look at them in the division right now, and you have the Bills, who are obviously very talented. The Dolphins are very talented. And now the, the Jets, Jets with Aaron Rodgers could be something. But they have talent. They have talent. The Patriots to me that they're they're their least talented team in that division suddenly, and I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. And, and now, the Patriots, to me, are one of those teams where they'll find a way to win seven, eight, nine games. Yeah. It's going to be the most... they still nearly made the playoffs last it's year. It's going to be the most boring way to get there. They're, they're turning into the Steelers. They really are. They really are. I think there's a lot of parallels there, although I would... I think Mike Tomlin, at this point in his career, is... I would take him over Bill. Honestly? I think the job that Mike yeah. Tomlin did last year as a coach was phenomenal. With that talent? Yeah. Yeah. It's boring, but I think he might be a little bit better... Um, I don't know, cause like, didn't you see that thing that it said that like Bill that uh Bill Belichick might might be on the hot seat this year? I did see that, yes. And apparently, there's been various levels of that hot seat since 2019. And like, I agree with you on the GM thing, but even then, I am starting to question him as a coach. Like, for, for, for example, like one of the reasons that you were so bad last year, and people can't, I have seen people like give Mac Jones a break is because Matt Patricia was calling the off was being was the offensive coordinator. That was goofy. Yeah, but here's the thing. Who who decided to bring him in? Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. That was a coaching decision. Very. So, like, I don't know. It's just some of these decisions here. It's just... I mean, even, like, last year, like, in the draft, and I know it's easy to go back and play Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback on some of these things. Yeah. But even last year, when they were drafting a receiver, they went and went with Tyquan Thornton, yeah. who was a blazer out of Baylor. And I believe they took him over like a guy like George Pickens, yeah, who was good as a, who was a great as a, a great rookie last year for the Steelers. And looking like he's going to have a great year this year. But I don't think that's necessarily Monday morning quarterbacking it because I think also at the time anybody would tell you that George Pickens was a better prospect, yeah. or like he drafted a Cole Strange Thornton. in the first round. But that one worked out. I'll give him credit. Yeah, it there. worked out. But like, but look at the draft they had this year. He took Christian Gonzalez in the first round. Now Christian Gonzalez was a top ten pick. I don't know why he fell. I understand that. You take the best player available. Christian Gonzalez, I think he's going to be a great pro. <clears throat> then they went defensive end, Keon White. Then they went Mate Mapu, uh, linebacker. So first three picks they used on defense. The first pick they took on offense in round four was a center. A center. Oh, then on. they took a kicker in the fourth round. I think we all know how I feel about kickers being drafted. Roberto Aguayo he immediately still, killed that one for me. He still gives me PTSD. Fourth round again, they took a guard. Then they doubled up on it and took another guard in the fifth round. Jesus, man. They took a receiver finally in the sixth round, and they drafted a punter in the sixth round. Is their special teams that bad? 
and then a punt returner in the sixth round, and a cornerback later in the sixth round, and then another cornerback in the seventh round. Oh, my God. They drafted one, two, three, four offensive players in this draft, three on the offensive line, and a six-round receiver. That's it. That's it. That, to me, is a sign of a team that doesn't understand where football is going. going. That's, that's like, I was going to say old school, but I don't even know if, like, something. Most people, when they think old school, might think, like, John Gruden, like, how we try to, like, bring back, like, the late 90s, early 2000s football to the Raiders. I don't even think that's that for the Patriots. That's, like. that. That's Bill doing Bill. I know. <sighs> and know, I, I just feel like, to... I just feel like Bill needs to concede the drafting and the general manager duties somewhere else. I don't think he'll get fired if they do bad this year, but I think he will. There are going to start to be calls for the, his head if they don't do well this year. And frankly, what I'm starting to feel like he could become is Tom Landry. Because remember, legend for the Cowboys, won him a ton of Super Bowls, stayed with them forever. And now, granted, he was fired because Jerry Jones took over and he wanted to be something. But at the same time, when you look at it, he needed to be fired. They were terrible, and him being fired led to that Cowboys dynasty. He might have just overstayed his welcome. Like, he had a longer leash, and he should be respected for that. But, you know, we always, you know, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-now league. It always he is. He plays in Boston, which is one of the most ruthless media. So Yeah, and I wonder I wonder how Patriots fans feel about I do. Bill Belichick. And speaking of Patriots fans, I'm going to say this, by the way, with the, the, ran at the whole Bill Belichick, DeAndre Hopkins discussion. I do not feel bad about them not, about them getting, not getting a D-Hop. Okay. That team tortures for years with that dynasty, and the fact that now they're the worst team in that division, I love. I don't care. They've had enough success. Give some other teams a chance. I do because ne- those fans beat their chests for years. It was one of the most annoying thing. I remember going to a uh, the Bucks Patriots game a few years ago, and I had a, some Patriots fans behind me. It was the worst experience of my life. I do not feel bad about what's happening to them at all. Well, because people hate winners. Yeah, that's fair. But also, it's just like people also hate Boston fans. Yeah, and then, of course we're supposed to. <laughs> and we gotta respect it. Respect? No, I don't. Nick, the intern, shouldn't speak Tom Landry's name ever again. Tom Landry. You disrespected. You disrespected the great Tom Landry there in your little. How did I disrespect him? I just said he won a ton of Super Bowls. He was just there for too long. If anything, I just like. I think coaches have look. Are, I think all-time coaches have a right. Talk to any Cowboys fan, and they will admit while they that's they hated it doing it, that led to that dynasty. I I think in general the great coaches of all time. Thank you. Should get to go out on their own terms. Whoever said I wasn't wrong, thank you. I think the great coaches have the right to coach as long as they want to. That's why, like when Greg Popovich yeah. is what seventy, what three, seventy-four, whatever it is. Eat. Yeah. He just got that five-year extension, and everybody kind of rolled their eyes at that. It's Greg Popovich. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I do. To be fair, like they've only been bad for like two years, and they can looks like they're about to turn it around with maybe with Wimbiana. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> he's different though, because like he's like look, just like all that white hair he has makes him look so old that every time I look at him, I'm like, I'm like, you can hang it up, man. Like you've done enough. Yeah, just, but like, I will say though, it would. If Bill Belichick is to leave before it's on his own terms, it's obviously going to be Robert Kraft. I don't think Robert Kraft would outright fire him. I think there would be a discussion there. And oh, like it that whole, be, like, his contract ran out or, like, we mutually agreed to part ways? Yeah, it'll be one of those things where he gives him a, a, a nudge out the door. Like, Bill, it's time. 
Uh, I think you should consider this, yeah. and then Bill has to think on it. But I just think in general making a move like that is pretty tough for a guy who won six Super Bowls in one place. Yeah, but... It's just at this point we're waiting on what Bill wants to do. Even... But I think Bill's act in general, the whole thing, how he does with the media sometimes, very prickly. Yeah. And that's been Bill's MO forever. But does it start to get a little tiresome at some point? Um for years and years when they had Brady, it feels like they could get guys in, vets, for, yeah. for cheaper. And now Brady's not there, obviously. And I think they learned you can't really do that anymore. Yeah. Especially with the DeAndre Hopkins there. Right. I mean, like, we've seen guys try to, like, be like Belichick. Josh. Uh, yeah, all his disciples. Yeah, all, all his disciples who failed. They tried to do it. Matt Patricia tried to do it in Detroit. <laughs> and it just pisses people away. He could do it because he had guys who followed it. And he at that point, he had a reputation. So everyone was just like. Yeah, I mean, I know I can get a Super Bowl out of it, but at this point, it's not winning. Those Super Bowls are starting to become a little yeah. bit of a distant memory. How long is that going to work? Yeah, in the if they room? if they win, if they bottom out this year and they win four games, five games, then it, it's going to be ramped up a lot. I yeah. think that's when Patriot fans will probably start to bring out the pitchfork for- a little bit yeah. and and go after Bill Belichick and maybe Robert Kraft just says that's when the nudge comes. Yeah, and I. That could happen. I mean, like, we've how many stories have we heard of, like, tension between them? Like, the biggest one that I always think of is, remember when they traded Garoppolo back when they thought he was the future? Right. And it's because uh, Kraft favored Brady, and it was reported that uh, uh, Belichick was not happy with that? Yeah, and I... All these all those stories that came out look so... I don't know. They lock... That, like, that's the one thing. They keep that place on lock. Like, it is really hard to get stories out of there. Yeah, and that's why all those stories that came out there towards the end of Brady's tenure, I mean, I don't think there's any heat with Bill and, and Tom. I just don't. Um, like, for, yeah. You look at the way that Tom talked about him when he was, like, basically choking up on Jim Gray's podcast when he talked about what Bill Belichick meant to him. Yeah. I think just, Bill was the first person to call him or whatever after the Bucks won the Super Bowl to congratulate him. All those things, I think that's always been blown out of proportion. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, like I remember, like, I remember how much of a big deal it was, like, when they played each other. They just shook hands and that was it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, they hate each other. It's like, I'm, sure they they, ha- I'm sure they talked on the phone after. Yeah, like, they, no, yeah. they showed that. They talked in the locker room after that. I think it's just, that, like, dude, if he really hated him, they would not go near each other. They still shook hands. It's just like, look, they're just kind of, like, Bill's just kind of like, he seem, we see it in the media thing. He just kind of seems emotional sometimes. He's a dry old guy. So yep. it's just like. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's just out a different way. I don't yep. Know. So we'll uh, we'll keep following that. Obviously, Bill Belichick. Like I said, if they win four or five games, then maybe the nudge comes. But I think they're probably gonna somehow. There's some way. I feel like they're gonna find their way to eight, and you know, maybe people are gonna say, "Oh, this is a great coaching job by Bill. Look at what's there." Yeah, but but they're gonna find. I think. Find if, I think with Mac Jones. I mean, hopefully, if Bill O'Brien cannot get cannot unlock Mac Jones this year, and again, I I say that knowing that them not getting DeAndre Hopkins, in my opinion, is not doing what's in the best interest of that third-year quarterback. Right. If he can't unlock something out of Mac Jones this year, clearly they're going to move on. they got to go in a different direction. And then it comes Bill. It's like, how much longer do you want to stay if you're having to rotate the quarterbacks here? Yeah. Is the big question. So we'll see what happens there with the with the Patriots. But uh, good for DeAndre Hopkins. He got the money. You know that, yeah, get your money, man. He got man. the money he deserved. I know I was making fun of you, but we hope you do good because I, league... I think he's still damn good. Oh no, he's still good. I just I mean with the quarterback throwing to him, but you know at the end of the day, good talent only helps the league and it makes it more fun to watch. So I'm rooting for him. Absolutely. All right, we'll take another break here on a Wednesday edition of the JP Peterson Show. Uh, I'll say it again, once again, brought to you by the Jeep Law Group, Bayer Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo uh, should come on here at the end of the week. Italiano Insurance, Golden Diamond Source, Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI, and American. 
Mortgage Services. Back in three. Stay with us here on the J.P. Peterson Show. Law Group, have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms, and let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation. Home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to ItalianoInsurance.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday edition of the JP Peterson Show. Rolling on. Reminder, JP out in Las Vegas. He'll be back tomorrow with us for a full two hours. So look forward to getting him back in here. So we've been talking. We talked a lot about the Rays in our in our opening segment. Obviously, the loss last night. What's going on with the trade deadline? And we mentioned Otani, and I saw some people commenting about it as well. And then uh, I went on ESPN here in the break, <coughs> and they actually wrote an article today 
just just dropped about possible trade packages for Shohei Otani with all the teams and what they could give up, and there's some analysis in there as well. And one of the packages that they put together for the Rays here, I think it's a little light. And even kind of the article even admits that. Like, they have them all kind of categorized together. And for the Rays, they put, sorry, you must have the wrong number. In regards, which I'm not sure why you'd put a package like this anyway. Yeah. If you're just going to say, sorry, you must have the wrong number. But that's kind of the part with the Rays. And they're the only team that's in that kind of... They're along with the Yankees and the Mets in that section here. But the package they put together for this was Shane Boz, Curtis Mead, Xavier Isaac, and Marcus Johnson. And when I read that immediately, which is fitting of why it said, sorry, you must have the wrong number, I said, well, I would run to the, to the phone lines to accept that deal. Oh, yeah. I Shane Boz, Curtis Mead, Xavier Isaac, and Marcus Johnson, all respect to all those players who have varying degrees of potential. Yeah, I would be very comfortable for that. Now, it adds here about what would be the Angels' best interest to get out of here. And they write here in the first sentence, if Junior Caminaro isn't in the deal, I'm hanging up. That may very well be the case if you get into a discussion with the Angels. But as I've mentioned, if I had to pick a prospect who I'd say is untouchable in a trade for Shohei Otani for three months... I think Junior Caminaro is that guy. Probably. I think he's easily the best prospect the Rays have going at this moment. And they put his numbers here. He's just 20 years old and in high end in double A this year. He's slashing 330, 386, and 588. And he can play both positions on the left side of the infield. Probably more of a third baseman, as we saw in the prospect game. If not him, you give up Carson Williams, who's been killing it in the minors, who was the first overall pick of the Rays, not, or first round pick of the Rays not too long ago. Uh, if I had to sacrifice him, that's fine because I already know who my shortstop of the future is. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason I think why the Rays draft a lot of shortstops. They drafted another one in the first round this year in the back end. It's always, that's like the one position that it's always good to stockpile because there's always going to be tremendous value for those shortstops. So maybe that's a guy you include, a Carson Williams. But yeah, if this was a possible deal, and even ESPN admits that it's probably not, I'd be running to the table for that. Uh, I'll give you just real quick the teams that it said to have the best shot to give the best package. They had the Dodgers here, uh, where they have a good farm system as well, and the Rangers. And I tell you what, I see people mentioning the Rangers a lot and the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are more suited to get him at in free agency because if you're the Dodgers, why give up anything now? You already have a team that I think is capable of obviously winning the NL West and going deep in the playoffs. Maybe not as high-powered as some of the Dodger teams we've seen the last few years. But they have started, they didn't spend much money this offseason. They went a little light. They're already paying a lot of guys, obviously like Betts, Freeman, Muncie, and so on and so on. But it seems like they're kind of holding out to give Shohei Otani the big monster offer that's obviously going to break the record. So the Dodgers, to me, doesn't make as much sense for this season because I think they, can, they would definitely be the front runners to land him in the offseason. So I almost put the Dodgers aside. The other team they put on here is the Rangers. My question with that... Who are they giving up? Well, they had a package here, and Ezekiel Duran is one of the players they put in, who is a really good player this year for the Rangers, and so that would be desirable for the Angels. You get back a major league player now. That's been killing it, and then you get some of their top prospects. But if you're the Angels, do you want to trade Shohei Otani in your division midseason? I know you take the best offer that comes. I get it. But trading him in your own division to one of your big rivals? That, you want to talk about 
hard to hard to hard to swallow as an Angels fan or an organization trading him to the Rangers. Well, you were just saying earlier in the show, like, do you want to be the GM who trades Shohei Otani in general? What would what would make that worse? Trading him to a team that now and allowing him to haunt you even worse now because you just trade him to one team. Yeah, because I'm I'm curious because the Rangers can spend money. Yeah, okay, they've they've, shown that. They've shown they're willing, and I don't know how the Rangers. Are the Rangers a real possibility to land a Shohei Otani if they're able to re-sign him? Maybe. I don't think they've been mentioned because I think we all are under the assumption that Shohei Otani would want to stay on the West Coast. Yeah. Texas is not necessarily the East Coast, but it's kind of obviously in the middle. Yeah. But Texas seems like a good spot because they have a lot of really good players. They had like what five, six All Stars this yeah. year. You'd you'd be in a best chance to win Bruce Bochy for a long time. Be a good manager for him, right? Bruce Bochy would love to have him. And then the Rangers. I mean, in a scenario where you could trot out eventually when he gets back, Jacob Degrom, Shohei Otani, and Nate Yavaldi and John Gray in the in the rotation, and Dane Dunning. Well, We're talking about best in baseball right there. Yeah, actually, that shows how much they're like really good with spending money. They threw a ton of money at. Uh, so many players that they lost Jacob Degrom, and it meant nothing. I mean, it meant a little bit, obviously, but it meant in terms of like their success on the field, it meant nothing. Right. Yeah. No. Tim Tim chimed in here, and he's a I believe he's a Rangers fan. He said the Rangers won't give up anything but prospects for Otani. No big league roster players will be included. I think that's probably the case for most teams. Yeah. Um, but if the Rangers landed Otani, I think we would pretty much. I, obviously, they'd become the favorite. They're, yeah, there's no uh, doubt about that. 100%. Just like I think, if the, the Rays made the move for if, Otani, they'd become the favorite. That's how it works. If any playoff contender gets this guy, they're they're the favorite. It's as simple as that. And did the Yankees? I mean, Bustroni said he said Yankees, Yankees, Yankees is the team he's hearing and all those things. But the Yankees, like, do they have a good prospect <laughs> system for him? Like, what prospects can they give up? The Yankees offer that was included here on ESPN. I feel like they're just putting was a five the was a five five prospect hall of Everson Pereira, Trey Sweeney, Chase Hampton, Drew Thorpe, and Jared Serna. It doesn't seem like that is the the best package. No, that there would be included the Yankees and the Yankees are in last place. Yeah, the still, Yankees are in last place. They're still a good team, but they're in last place. Well, since Judge has gone down, they're like nine and fourteen. Yeah, that's the one. Th- the one thing I thought was like, because they're in first place and they're in New York, where the fans are really ruthless, they're gonna go. They they'd be willing to go all in on this. But I'm not just. But again, I'm just like, what players do they have in their farm system that's like really? Well, there's worth the it? Jason Dominguez who's down there, and when you recall, he was 17. There was all this hype about him. I do, I think he struggled. If I'm if he, I'm correct, he's, he I, has struggled in in the minors. Yeah, I mean, I saw him a little bit when he was here with the Tarpons, and he was he was good. He wasn't a Anthony Volpe kind of talent, but he was he was fine. But after that. That's Not what really. I'm curious. Do the Yankees have to throw in Volpe? Oh yeah, that actually could be one because like he's young and like. I mean, he was technically their top prospect. Yeah, probably. I don't know because like I mean, how many times do you look at the Yankees though, and you're just like, none of those guys were like built by them. The thing with the Yankees though, and this is why I don't have much confidence in them landing Otani, is the now. current the current administration there, Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman. They don't seem like they're interested in acting like the Yankees. And my point to that was the report on Sunday that I saw. They really want Cody Bellinger. A lot of Yankee fans do, right? Everybody, yeah. They're all in on Cody Bellinger, who's maybe the comeback player of the year. Probably. 
But then there was the report from Mark Feinstein of LV.com that other than Cody Bellinger, they've inquired on Randall Grichik for the Rockies. If the Rays inquired on Randall Grichik, that would make sense. Yeah. Because that's a prototypical Rays move. move. Wouldn't get me that excited, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, Sorry. But that's more of a Rays move. But that just seems like where the Yankees are right now. They don't seem willing to go and make that big, typical New York Yankees move. Yeah, look, I think the only reason... Which doesn't reason, bother me, obviously. Yeah, no, obviously. I think the only reason they're on that list is just because it's the Yankees. They're always supposed to be, like, a contender because right. that's just how it works. But, like, in the offseason, when his contract's up, yeah, obviously, they'll have a lot better chance because then it's just spend money. But in terms of giving something up... I don't I see don't it. Know. I don't like their package. I, I don't see uh, it. Thomas Casper says he'd give up 10 prospects. I feel like the Mets would have a better chance because they have a little bit Ugh, of a better front. Please, system. I can't see that. I, I, I didn't know. say it was going to happen. I'm just saying, like, I feel like if you want to talk about prospect trading, I feel like the Mets have better to offer. Oh, I think they would make Steve Cohen as the one owner that I will never try to get a read on. I feel like he would probably try to include Major League Talent because yeah, he's just probably. probably fed up with what he has right there right now. Yeah. But... I can't imagine, like, what if they re-signed Otani and then you're paying Verlander, Scherzer, and Otani, and Lindor, and all these guys, like, yeah. $30 million plus? That'd be just insane. But Steve, Steve Cohen can do it, though. He could do it. Steve Cohen can do it. They wouldn't win because it's the Mets, and that's how this works, but still. Yeah, but Thomas Casper, again, he said 10 prospects he'd give up for Shohei Otani, and he says the Rays need Otani the most in MLB. Uh, Thomas, 10 prospects, I will respectfully decline on that one. 10 prospects? No. The only reason I would ever give up 10 prospects for Shohei Otani is if I had that guy under control already. Yeah, if I had him in control. With this, like, I'll tell you what, if I'm trading 10 prospects, not only am I getting Shohei Tani right now, I'm getting a few other players. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I'm not saying that would happen. I'm just saying, like, but yeah, obviously 10 players is way too much for a guy who's only going to be around for a few games or a few months. I don't know. Yeah, it, it still seems very unlikely for me, but this, again, this it's very it's fun It's fun to dive it's into fun, it. It, it is fun, like, as much as it probably is fool's gold, it's cool, like, I mean, I went to ESPN's page, and the first thing that pops up is where, where who has the best package for Otani, and I mentioned earlier, I have the picture on my phone of Shohei Otani in a double race uniform, it looks beautiful, ESPN had the same photo, and it's Shohei Otani in a Rangers uniform, it's Otani in a Rays uniform, a Yankees uniform, and a Dodgers uniform. The fact that the Rays are even included That's next awesome. to those teams. Yeah. It's cool to see, even though it's probably fool's gold. Yeah, look, at the end, I just, I just want to hear that they try to make a trade. That's all I want to hear. Well, I think a lot of Rays fans, myself included, are probably to that point where we're probably, you know, tired of hearing, oh, well, we tried. Like, we we tried for Freddie Freeman, right? Yeah, that's fair. We, we tried for Juan Soto, all these yeah. things, which probably wasn't even that that deep, honestly, in discussions. Yeah. But he's another name I threw out there, like, because he's yeah, not getting a lot of pub, but the Padres continue to just kind of flounder right now. They're in the NL West. I think they're out of it completely. And he's a guy that's under control. You probably don't have a shot in hell of re-signing him. Yeah. In, but what, you, in you, a two years when he's a free agent? Yeah, but you but get you him get for two years. years. That's what, yeah, you were saying that on Monday. I agree with you. That, that, that would make more sense. If you were going to land a big fish. Yeah. If you were going to land a big fish, obviously. But otherwise than that, it would not shock me in the slightest if the Rays walked out of here with the typical Rays moves, which typically inquires a or requires a, a guy in the bullpen who maybe is not a big name, but, can, but like, has those traits depth. that they love and they can come in and fix. Maybe like one batter who like makes a little bit of a step but still isn't a superstar. Well, that's why I just mentioned Randall Grichik. Like if Randall Grichik's on yeah. the trade market... 
That's a raised move. That just seems like a raised move. It kind of reminds me of what they did last year with with uh, David Peralta. But my point there also, yep. and I said on Monday, it's like if that's what they walk out with, you kind of go, Ugh. is that kind of the reaction? I mean, Grichik's been really good with the with the uh, the Rockies this year. He's hitting he's yep. hitting actually three hundred on the dot right yeah. now for the Rockies. You know what is not the reaction I'm getting because. That would be my reaction if it was just like a one-off. The fact that we do it every year, every year my reaction would be like, really, we're doing this again? That's my reaction. Yeah, and I and I wonder how much, you know, the Rays in 2021 went for it with Nelson Cruz, as we've said, yeah. and they got burned. Yeah. They got burned. And if Joe Ryan would look great yeah. in a Rays uniform If they didn't right get now. burned by, I'll tell you what, if they didn't get burned by that, I think they'd be more confident and are more willing to do this. Well, you can't, you can't let one bad move that I didn't know. work out just prohibit you from doing other moves. I understand that. In my opinion. So, we'll see. But like I said, I think what they do in the next these next three to four series leading up to the to the deadline is going to determine how aggressive they're going to be. Lance Lynn is another name we threw out there yeah. the other day that was reported that the Rays were kind of aggressive on him. And again, he fits the profile. He's a veteran yes. arm, pitched in a lot of big games. He's been coming around lately. If you look at strikeout leaders across the league, he's up near the top. And I think the Rays are in need of a fourth starter. I yeah. don't think they want to have to keep doing this opener stuff because they've kind of run out of arms to kind of slide in the they back of that de- rotation. Yeah, they just DFA'd uh, Torino, so they probably Which I think was the right move. It was. I agree with that. I feel bad for Yanni. Cause and it opened him, up a spot yeah. for them to make a move. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. When can we start expecting to see these trades happening? Because like, I know it's soon, but like when... I mean, if you're the angel, I mean, just specifically for the Otani, if you're the Angels, it's in your best interest to take this all the way to the final out. Yeah, oh yeah, that's gonna be like one of the last ones. But like, I'm wondering, like, one of the first, like the well, Chapman was the first one, and we said it yesterday. Okay, okay. We it was said the first yesterday. move, but like, I'm talking about like the the deadline. Like, yeah, the but as we thing. said yesterday on the show, we saw him pitch against the Rays on Monday. Yeah, and he struck out the side. Yep, and it's like, oh, don't remind me. Yesterday was hard enough for it's me. It's like, oh, there I we go. Know. And then we saw Fairbanks what happened there, and it's like, well, damn. The Rangers have that guy. We don't. And that's, I think the Rangers, I said this, the Rangers and the Orioles, to me, with the addition of Chapman and Will Smith back there, and then the Orioles having Batista and Cano, because I think those are the three best teams in the AL. Yeah. I think the Rays are definitively in third place when it comes to having that back into the bullpen. 100%. 100%. So we'll see what the Rays do. Yeah. All right, but, uh, let's, uh, no, go ahead. You've had another, you had another thought? No, well, I was going to say, as a transition, I think we should start talking about a more positive Rays news. Yeah, we're going to do that here on the other. We've got to take one more break, one pay, more break. pay some right. last bills, All right, cool. and then we'll get back to, to that story. We ran a couple polls today that you wrote up about statues in Tampa Bay because the Rays put out some very interesting yesterday, so we'll dive into that. We'll go over the poll and, and have some fun with this about which statues deserve to go up in Tampa Bay sports right now. So we will dive into that, have a nice little positive discussion about the Rays and some of the other teams in Tampa Bay. So stay with us. Back in three here on a Wednesday edition of the Peterson Show. Hey guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old, it's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well, so do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area 
modern medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional, targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF, they did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by, never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call, 727-894-2929, 727-894-2929, or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance 
free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan Stream Sports. Welcome back on a Wednesday. JP Peterson show. Nick Geddes and he doesn't get a last name yet. He's still intern Nick. <laughs> Carrying you through these two hours today on a Wednesday. Eventually you'll get your last name. Eventually you'll get your last name. But for now you have your Nick the intern. Listen, I was nicking numbers for, like, months until I got a last name. So. That's fine. We'll get there. I actually don't care. All right, just a few minutes left. You ran a poll today, so I'll let you take the reins there. Give us the poll and what it was all about and what we, the discussion that we have from that. Okay. You are going to need to help me out with this because, as I told you, I can't pronounce this guy's name. So, recently, the Rays... I know, you're struggling with this name. Yeah, well, I don't want to mess it up. The Rays recently announced that they will be building not one, but two statues that they'll be revealing in August. One is of Evan Longoria hitting the walk-off in game 162 to clinch the 2011 wild card. The other is of, can you say his name, please? Akinori Iwamura. Thank you. Getting the final out in the 2008 ALCS to send us to the, our first ever World Series. So, for me personally, I think that's pretty cool. We're finally getting statues because, you know, I think it's, let's get a little more character outside Tropicana Field. But now I said, do you, I put up two polls about that. The first one being, do you think that those two, those two people, or moments, deserve to have, deserve to have a statue built about, about them, and I gave three options: yes, one hundred percent; no, not these two; yes, but only one. I kid you not; it is. We have six votes in. We can st- voting's in, open up for twenty-two more hours, so keep voting. We'll probably talk about this later. But as of right now, it is split down the middle, even. 
even for yes, even for no, even for yes, but only one. Well, I think it's obvious. I think if you're going to put statues and you're looking for two all-time moments, Longoria, obviously, although yeah. we already have the shrine there inside the stadium. It doesn't hurt to have one outside, the yeah. one where he's like, you know, like this going around. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Aki, who was in the right place at the right time to make that play. Yeah. I think I have no problem with those two statues at all. We have a comment on there where one person, I'm, I'm assuming this is who he's talking to, where he says, I've been to every game since 98, and I don't remember who that is. And I think that's why, because it's, it's not a noteworthy player. But I'm like, it's not really a player about, it's, the statue's not about him. It's more about... It's the moment. It's the moment. It's the it's moment, the, it's the and, and Aki moment. will ever be uh, uh, idolized because of that moment. So, yeah. uh, And then you had the other one, too, where... Who should uh, be next? Who should be next? And I know I will tell you this, and it doesn't have any votes, and I'm not surprised. The, the Brett Phillips walk off. Uh, if the Rays had won that the World, World Series, Series that, that'd be getting a statue already. Then I could see it, but otherwise, with that, I I think I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good there. We don't have enough moments yet, so I understand that. And I, then I think I mean I think the two obvious ones are something to do with Tom, and I've I've said it before. I think the the throwing of the Lombardi to Cam Brate seems perfect. I, I know they're not going to do this. Got to be creative.